listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You are listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week 11th of September to the 15th of September. Uh, this week we were joined by performer Nalaja's son about her play Pike Street, which is putting on at the moment kind of deals with the after events of Hurricane Sandy in New York. Quite timely. Mm. Isn't it? Mm. Uh, we also had a chat to Anne Edo Edmonds about her new show, The Edge of the Bush, which is on ABC. And he's hilarious. Very, <laughs> very funny. And also um, we had a bit of a chat about um, just certain sayings that don't that aren't nice to hear. Yes, and then Lachlan Carter joined us to review an unlikely book, The CSIRO Australian Bird Guide. It's he a was, lot more interesting than that sounds. Yes, he was our crap bird man for the week. And um, then we talked about people that you don't want to sit next to on an airplane. Everyone, really. Yes. <laughs> Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. You're tuned to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Pike Street is a one-woman show that's on at the Arts Centre from the 12th to the 17th of September. The one woman behind the show is Nalaja Sun. She's joining us now in the studio. Welcome to Breakfasters. Good morning. This is a show about a family preparing for a hurricane. Mm-hmm. It could not be more topical. Could Tell it? me about it. Well, I wrote the play after Hurricane Sandy um, kind of devastated uh, parts of the Northeast, including um, the neighborhood that I'm from called the Lower East Side. And the Lower East Side was one of those neighborhoods that was really kind of forgotten after Sandy. And so neighbors had to help neighbors. And I wanted to write a play um, where if you had seen the play and a big hurricane came to town, you would Think about your neighbours, particularly those who are elderly, disabled and living on life support. Mm. And you interviewed people when you were preparing the show, did researching it? No, I don't. <laughs> I never do that. I just, yeah, I, do, I don't interview people. They all come from uh, my life. Okay. So these are all people who I love very much. And um, then what I do is I, I bring them into characters. So um, so what you'll see um, if you come to see Pike Street is uh, the Lower East Side, as I know and love it. Um, the different ethnicities, different accents, uh, the diversity of it, uh, the pain. We're very... Um, we're a very feeling um, neighborhood, and um, we're an immigrant neighborhood. So, um, so yeah, this is these are all people I love, and I don't interview um, folks and do a show. I've never done that, but um, um, I, I'm sure one day maybe that will float my boat. I don't know what, where I got that <laughs> from. <laughs> just, just do you know a up. lot of people think when no, they right. think documentary theater, they think I am documentary theater and, and I actually I'm not. There is a story that is created um, for the audience. Um, but all of these characters are actually people in my lives just hidden in different names. <laughs> you said the Lower East Side was forgotten after Hurricane Sandy. Why was that? Do you know I'm not sure. It's kind of like why was... New Orleans forgotten and why are mm. many places forgotten? I um, I know that when in America, when they say go to shelters, flee Florida right now, as they're saying, can you imagine having multiple children, um, mm. multiple dogs? I'm not going to forget the dogs and cats and the birds, you know, that you've got to bring uh, no money for gas in your car. 
um, no way for every, all of your neighbors are fleeing. How are you, and you're on a fixed income, how are you expected then to, um, just flee in a car? Now, if you're, um, we're talking about shelters wise, um, that's also a great solution. But say if you have a daughter or a family member living on life support, uh, you really have to be concerned about what electricity is doing and, um, and what kind of, um, um, needs they have thought of in the shelter for um for folks like that so um so um i would say for those of if any of us is right now saying oh boy you guys are not living miami you're not leaving florida what the heck is wrong with you some people just can't and we have to be um empathetic enough to understand that Mm. do you think american america has learned anything since hurricane Sandy? In terms of making sure that um, uh, the kind of characters that you portray in this show do get looked after, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, we've had two major hurricanes now in the past two weeks, and so we're going to see. This is what we learn um, after, you know, after the storm has subsided. We learn um, who was left behind, and uh, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of wonderful, old, wonderful, great neighbors who are just freaking, you know, hard-headed and they just don't want to go anywhere, right? But um, um, I wonder if there are there are plans in place for, um, say, if there's going to be a, a huge hurricane and you're thinking 300 people are going to come in, say, imagine a thousand people are now going to come into your shelter and many of them are um, have some sort of special needs. Um, and so... Um, um, and may, perhaps they have thought of it. I'm not sure. But um, Sandy actually pummeled the northeast and up to Boston and probably up to Canada, whereas this is the south. And so I really wouldn't be able to speak for the south. Mm. I can more sp- speak for New Yorkers. Well, okay, let's talk about the show. You portray yeah. multiple characters across three generations. But as we said, right. it's a solo show. So That's how do you right. go about doing that? Yeah, how do I go? Yes. How do <laughs> I, I wonder that every single night. <laughs> it is... Um, it's it's a definitely a labor of love. There's a lot of heart that you're going to see on stage. Um, I am an actor who is in love with physical theater, so that's generally how I create my work. Um, I create it uh, in my body um, with feeling before I actually create the words of it. So um, um, you're going to see a lo- you're going to see mm, a lot of. Uh, music, you're going to see, um, anger, you're going to see a lot of happy clapping, you're going to see, um, neighbors helping neighbors, and, um, and you're going to meet, uh, 10 different characters in, uh, in Pike Street. Do you ever prefer one character? over another or is Never. it one that you just, are they all the same okay i'm gonna <laughs> this is gonna be a very spiritual moment here get okay. ready I like ram, it. ram das come to me um the key is to live in the moment so every single character i play at that moment i am absolutely in love with in fact i'm not even in love with them i just am them so so then when i am not them and i'm someone else then i love and I am in that character. So it's the key is about just being in the moment, being present for every single character. Um, it's just so that the audience gets to see a fully embodied um, soul in each character rather than an actor thinking thoughts and thinking about things yeah. um, while she's trying to do a million other yeah. things. <laughs> wow. So what's the, the, the writing process like for, write, you know, doing a... 
a one-woman show with 10 different characters? So I wrote um, Pike Street, as I said, after Hurricane Sandy, but um, these characters have been living with me um, my whole life. I am someone who records um, people. I'm even recording this moment right now. I'm recording oh, your dogs, actually. <laughs> uh, no disrespect to you. You're all very interesting. But your dogs, I'm actually um, recording. Um, I'm very proud of that. Yes, you should be. Uh, like physically and, and, and their their body and, and how um, how their ears perk up. As you said, one of them is um, is blind. And so I'm really aware of how she... He, uh, he Lloyd. Uh, how he how Lloyd um uh reacts. And so um even though Lloyd is behind me right now, I can still feel him. <laughs> and so um throughout the course of my life I've kind of recorded many people who I feel actually it's really the people who I feel who are forgotten. It's the neighbors, it's the it's the neighborhoods that I feel are forgotten. And um those are the people that I record so that then when I'm creating a piece um, and I know the topic, they come with me so that the the invisibility of them in society now is so visible on stage and they get a chance to live out loud on stage through me. You've got a pretty amazing roll call of TV credits. Uh, I do. Life <laughs> okay, from a non-actor's yeah, yes. point of view, yes. doing a one-woman show where you're doing all the characters sounds absolutely terrifying, whereas doing TV where you can re-record the scene, you've got all these other people around you, sounds much, much easier. What's the attraction of doing something as difficult as putting on a show where you have to play all the characters? Yeah, it's not, it's not that I choose this life <laughs> it's literally that it's 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 almost like i'm channeling these stories and 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 there are many times when i say what the heck am i doing it's like uh, it's it's amazing to me i am i'm aghast sometimes i'm like geez nalaja you're about to get up there um and um you have cramps you're pmsing <laughs> you've got to play men and old men and and older women right now and and you've got to be your best and so um that's that's when i just allow the kind of like the love of the audience to um be recycled through me luckily this show is i i do believe in energy and i believe that the audience gives me energy throughout the show that um that I recycle back to them and on and on and on and on. It's an STV, STD yeah. of energy. <laughs> it makes a big difference. And a good, a good STD. A good one? Yeah. Oh, boy, that was not smart. Because <laughs> you, you were just saying that you've done Edinburgh. That's well. right, you just, just did it. Just did it then. How, how was that? Was that? You were there for the whole month? Yes, absolutely. Relentless? I, what's that? Relentless? Um, I've done it before, so I knew what it was going, what um, it was going to feel like. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the thing is, is that when I'm doing the show, um, I'm not actually socializing so much. So I'm just doing the show, going home, eating, showering and repeating. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so um, it was more that I performed the show in the round for the first time, which was a, a dream of mine, actually. And so um, that was very um that was i that came from such a loving place because i could really feel speaking of energy that the energy of every single person in the audience and um and so that was um that was really quite a joy cool yeah the show is called pike street it starts at the art center t- 
tomorrow night. It runs to the 17th of September. The person behind it is not larger son. Thank you so much for coming to breakfast. Come and I'll give you my STD of energy. <laughs> Three triple R. You're tuned to breakfast is here on triple R with Jeff, Geraldine and Sarah. The Edge of the Bush is a new show screening on ABC TV. This Wednesday, I believe, also on iView. It's written by and stars our next guest, Anne Edmonds. Welcome to Breakfast. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks, good. Mate. That's good. Welcome yeah. back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Lovely to have you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been watching your um, thing that you did for the Kates recently oh. on, the, on the... What's it? It's not Get Cracking. I want to say the Kate and Show. Your scene from the most recent Get Cracking, mm. I've watched 10,000 times <laughs> in a row. So... <laughs> Yes. Oh, how many times have you watched it? A lot of times because <laughs> I got obsessed with – so there's some pixelation that's gone on there, thank God. Yeah, so those who haven't seen it in yeah. the recent Get Cracking, Edo plays a woman who is selling sarongs, was that what you would yeah, say? Yeah, I think like she's a sort of those those women that go to Bali and get <laughs> bulk items and come back. <laughs> <laughs> Try and flog them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you you, you – Show all the different ways that a sarong can mm. be worn, and but you don't mind showing off all your front bits. Well, I didn't mean it. I don't think. Well, yeah. she didn't mean it. She didn't mean it. Um, she probably had should have had something on underneath. But she's yeah, because there's there are YouTube videos with like twenty four ways to wear a sarong, yeah. which I've, <laughs> of course I had to watch. <laughs> yeah, like it's amazing. What pe- and and yeah, you can watch them and they get them into like twenty four different. Like pants suits and amazing. amazing. <laughs> Who knew? So I was doing that, yeah. And then, uh, yes, she's exposed on yes. a number of levels. And I thought that you were really exposing yourself, but apparently it's all CGI. Well, there was a bit of pic- I don't want to give away trade secrets, but there was <laughs> there were pix- there was pixelation going on, and someone's there's been liberties taken yeah. with, <laughs> with particularly. I, I'm particularly poor. I've paused a lot of times on the bum because there's a bit where I bend over at the very end, which is a career highlight. And the length of the um, crack is, like, not right. Something's <laughs> a bit unnatural. Yeah. And I just imagine those Kates who are good mates of mine just in the edit just going, bigger, <laughs> bigger. Uh, bigger. <laughs> uh, this new show, Edge of the Bush, is actually directed by Kate McCartney. It is. Oh, she's brilliant. Good segue, yes. Jez. Thank you. Mm. Uh, and you play, what, four different characters? Four different characters, yes. So Rebecca, John, uh, Karen and Dusty. In a Other calisthenics f- dynasty? Yeah. Why not? Uh, <laughs> you got to put them. Yeah, they were all characters of mine that have turned up in stand-up over the years. And then I needed a way to bring them together. And Rebecca, one of the characters, has done calisthenics at various points. And I was like, I wonder... Yeah, so that became the thread. And I was like, I wonder if these people could be in the same family. And they've turned out to be members of the same family who are estranged from each other. Which is lucky because they're all played by me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This was a... Screen Australia thing, you had to apply for funny. Are you one out of hundreds and hundreds of people? Is it, oh, is it? yeah, I reckon. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, like I had, it was like a, it was an initiative called Long Story Short where they were, um, it was narrative-based stuff, um, originally for iView, but mine's going on the telly because of my ass crack. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. there was about, I think there were about eight funded. So it's a, an ABC and Screen Australia initiative that funded this So what did, you, what did you have to do? Did you have to send, like, a, 
a script or like a segment or? uh, Yeah. I think I'd written the script by that point um, because I wrote the script just uh, in the – have you been to the Docklands Library? No, I've heard of this. Oh, you've got to go. You left left that. (laughs) Have you been to the Docklands? (laughs) Yeah. No, the Docklands Library is the greatest library on earth. It's like this brand new library down and it looks over the um, water – and I, anyway, I wrote the show in there. <laughs> I'm, not just, I'm not just talking about it. I wrote the show there over two, about a, a couple of weeks. This ping pong tables. Um, in a lineup? Yeah, you don't know. It's modern. There's <laughs> ping pong tables, there's bean bags, there's a podcasting studio. You've got to oh, get really? down is there. there. Anyone, is there anyone in it? Well, like that's Docklands that is like always empty. Possibly now that more people are onto it, but this was uh. a couple of years ago that I was writing it, and it was brand new, and I was I was kind of one of the only people in there, so you can sit and look out over the water and think. You about, love a oh, public a, library. Oh, don't you? I love a library, and there's a cafe in there. Modern. <laughs> <laughs> can you, Modern. Can you talk us through um, the different characters that you play? Yes. So John is an elderly man. He's like seventy-eight years old. He talks like that. It's like, John Watts, what are you doing? Come here. And then um, there's, there's Karen who's like Karen, who like, who's like a calisthenics mum, like kind of the matriarch of... Can you, and also explain calisthenics to us. Oh, calisthenics. Oh, lots of girls in my high school did this, so I'm so excited to It's a dynamic it art form where gymnastics <laughs> and dance come together and friendship and confidence are fostered. <laughs> no, it's a combination of modern <laughs> dance and gymnastics. Why not, finally? <laughs> so if you've seen any of that, like... You know, in that you know, when you watch the gym during the Olympics, the gymnastics, and there's all that, there's the, that floor stuff yeah, with the yeah. ribbon and the ball, um, and it's a little gymnastics. Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on, mm. Mm. combined with a bit of, you know, like uh, pageant sort of sequiny tan, <laughs> which amazing. is kind of in gymnastics as well a little bit. Anyway, so that's what it is. And then Dusty, who is like a terrible country singer. Um, she just talks like me, and then <laughs> Rebecca, who is a Rebecca, who's like twenty-two and unemployed, and everything's hard. She's like, get stuff. <laughs> like she's um, she's she used to be called Glenn. Glenn, yeah, I think Glenn made first made an appearance on our podcast on the download. That's right. When um, that's, that's Lloyd. Don't oh, worry. okay, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Listeners know about Lloyd and the dog in the room. Legs ripped off. Um, <laughs> yes, no, uh, she she's um. Yeah, so she's she was she was Glenn, and then I think because I'm a, a female, I've changed it to Rebecca or something. There was That's some fair. logic to do it. Do you remember? Do you remember how Glenn started? He was a North Melbourne supporter that leant over the fence and punched Motlop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and he banned himself. He banned the himself. He was so down on himself. So, oh, what am I doing? I can't. I'm never going back. Let, let the team down. Let the boys down. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, and then in his spare time, he decided. Do you remember what he decided to do? He was doing um, Latin at Kangen Tape. So the dog, we're doing Latin, and you can't even use it. You go to the supermarket, you don't even need it. It's not even a real language. Oh. Mm. So that's how that all came about <laughs> in the Docklands Library. Get down there. I'm actually here on on behalf of the Docklands. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm sure we'll get lots of messages. <laughs> how, how do you find? How do you like doing TV compared to stand up? It's like uh, I, I always think. I, I don't know. I always feel it whenever I talk to comedians, stand up must be the hardest thing in the world. And I always mm. have this vision that everyone will try and find something else to do rather than <laughs> doing it. But, well, well, I love stand up. It's like my first kind of love. But uh, and because the beauty of stand up is the immediate response from the audience to what you're doing. You know, like 
That's yep. what it sounds like. What yeah. makes it terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of the addictive bit of it as well. Whereas the TV, you've got to somehow remember what was funny about it after eight takes uh-huh. in front of a crew who actually aren't allowed to laugh because they uh-huh. can't. Yeah, because <laughs> if they, you know, they'll interfere with the sound and stuff. So you're, you're doing comedy to, like, silence, really. Was it hard doing all the characters? Was there a point yeah. where you thought you'd maybe made a mistake yep. and you should have, yep, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was, because it was quite a small production, it was quite, quite tight. So there was one day where I did all four in a row and I got there at three in the morning because John oh. took two hours of makeup, and then I left at 8 o'clock at night or something and I was like, and I was in every scene, which oh was such God. a mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be watching the other actors having coffees and stuff and, like, biscuits just, and I'd just be looking over at them going, oh, what's going on over there? And they'd be, like, back on set. <laughs> I feel like characters you play, not always just in the things that you write, but just in general, are always a little bit creepy. Yes. Where do you, where do you get the creep from, Edo? What's with you? Yeah. <laughs> Are you a little bit creepy, Edo? <laughs> Maybe. I'm just, I'm obsessed with dark. I'm obsessed, obsessed with anything dark yeah. and sad. So generally speaking, any character I play, will there's something wrong. Something There's some sort of deep sadness yeah. going on. So I guess that's maybe a little bit creepy as well is, yeah. Like they, yeah. And I'm, yeah. And I'm also obsessed with like, you know, like, because a lot of what I do is in like middle Australia, which can often think it's a bit perfect and I'm, I'm, I love to look at what's going on underneath the, the surface of things. Oh. Not always perfect, <laughs> you know. Now, with all the different characters, are you ever in the same scene as mm, yourself? Well, that's possibly. Oh. Mm. You have to tune in and find <laughs> out. <laughs> Can't give everything away. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> the Edge of the Witch. I... I should have asked you this before we went on the stairwell. I can tell you. It's screening after Get Cracking tomorrow night, so it'll be on yes. at, what, 9.30? 9, 9.35. So Get Cracking first and then my show's directly afterwards. How long does it go for each each episode? They're about 12 minutes long. Oh, cool. Mm. Um, but then they're, they're all going to be available on iView as of tomorrow, as as of after that screens tomorrow oh, night. So you can, so you can binge, binge watch. Binge, get yes. the binge. Yes. Get, show's get called The in. Edge of the Bush. We've been talking to the star and writer, and Edmonds, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Three. Triple. Ah. That's right. It's time to talk books here on Breakfasters with the one Lachlan Carter. How are you going, Lachlan? Oh, very well. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, folks. How are you going? Hello. Very good. Very excited about this book you're going to talk about because it's a bit unexpected from you. It, well, yeah. Nothing's unexpected from Lachlan. Expect the unexpected expect when the Lachlan's unexpected. I expect the unexpected <laughs> and I'm always surprised. Uh, yeah, this is not a book that you read cover to cover, although you could if you're that type of person. I bet Birdman does. Yeah, I bet, I bet <laughs> Sean Birdman actually has read. Actually, I think, I'm pretty sure he has because his name is in the front of this book um, as one of the contributors. I'm, going to, I'm talking about the CSIRO Australian Bird Guide, um, which is newly released. Why did you pick this up, Lachlan? Um, I, so I, I'm fascinated by birds. Really? Yeah. I, so I, um, I bought Many this. sides of Lachlan. <laughs> <laughs> Books and birds. No, but partly because I've been inspired by Sean the Birdman 
Dooley. So, oh. yeah, I listen to him every week. And uh, I've always found... I think, like, I'm not the only person. A lot of people find the the avian world to be a fascinating one because we all have that sort of childish dream to fly. I, I, as somebody who's run a lot of superhero workshops with children, I can tell you that the uh, superpower of flying is one of, you know, at least in the top three. Yeah, um, I can get that. Yeah, and and there's you know just the fact that they can just take off so easily and yeah. they're everywhere. These so strange magical interested things. Interesting birds because you want to be a bird. Yeah, that. And, but I've also had some um, spooky experiences. I mean, like this is this is something that uh, ghost birds. Oh, no, like <laughs> you hear you know those moments. You know those moments. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I'm not going to rule that out. But you know those moments when sort of the human world crosses paths with the like when I heard the magpie burp. Yeah, where there's that um, anthropomorphism that, you know, you kind of apply to animals, like, you know, you think that they've got a little more going on than they might do and there's sort of human characteristics, like burping, perhaps. So what what happened? Uh, When I was about 13, um, our backyard, there was an old tree in the backyard, and one afternoon, just as the sun was setting, it just suddenly became the meeting place for about 20 or 30 crows. No. And it was super noisy, and it was like one of those sort of summer, um, sorry, uh, sort of autumn sunsets. It sort of took a little while, and so it was like really purple sky. There's 30 crows in the back tree just going nuts, really, really noisy. Um, And they spent about 10 minutes there having some sort of meeting and then took off. And then we never saw them again. So it only ever happened that once. And our whole family oh, was just sitting there watching them. Awesome. And then when I was in uh, my final year of high school, we, we had this um, uh, uh, sort of a space that year 12s could go. It was the roof of a, um, sort of one of the buildings and you could sort of crash out there. And I um, was avoiding a particularly, you know, unpromising maths lesson. So I'd gone up there to take a nap just on the fake grass in the sunshine. And I woke up with, just, with that sense that I was being watched and I open my eyes and there's about 15 crows again. Oh, my God. But they're not noisy this time. There's just all these crows sort of perched on, like, the seats and on the other buildings all surrounding me, just sort of staring at me through the, you know, from the side of their head the way the crows do. Um, And they didn't move and so I'm just lying there watching them and then I got up and ran away. Um, Apparently they're ravens. Well... There's crows and ravens, according to this book, but yeah. they probably were ravens. Raven sounds actually creepier as well. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with, let's go with ravens. Let's do your story. Yeah. Okay, I'll, next time. saying our plan is coming to fruition. Yeah. Let's keep watching it. And then they hooked the owls into their plot because when I, about, wow. about five all or six years birds. ago. All the creepy All the creepy, the ones with the eyes, right? Yeah. And I was in, I was, uh, when I was studying, I was in my house at home, supposed to be sort of, you know, I had a whole day to myself to study, but I was sort of doing that wandering back and forth, you know, rearranging the CD collection, that sort of thing. And I'm in the hallway and I just get that sense again that I'm being watched and I look out that window just above our front door and there was a tree right in front of our front door, sort of a branch that came across and there was a, a ginormous owl, which according to the Australian Bird Guide, go going by memory, I think it was a powerful owl because it was bigger oh. than my head. Oh, my God. And it was just staring straight at me through the window from the branch of the tree. Those powerful owls are... Evil. I, this, they've got that frown, fierce eyes. It was staring right into my soul. And it stayed there for about four hours throughout the day. So every time I'd walk into the hallway, its head would sort of swivel around and <gasps> stare straight at me. Oh, my God. Have you ever wondered if you're cursed? I have. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is too weird. Yeah. And yeah. has the CSRO book been helping you with your personal demons? <laughs> it's like, really stressed me out. And so uh, now, that I, uh, now that I have this book, I, it, like it's a bit of a cautionary. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, I flipped it through. Is it dangerous? No, it's not dangerous. It's okay. Um, but, you know, all of those are, go back to that that idea that like where the human world crosses over with the, the animal world where you sort of get this sense that there's a little bit more going on between you than just sort of cohabiting a yeah. space. And I've always found that like, you know, I guess it's a, that childish impulse to sort of project onto animals as well, which I kind of have. Um, but then listening to Sean each week talk about how uh, how the birds, uh, there's just so much more going on. You, they just hang around. You never really pay attention to them. And now that I've got this book, I'm actually looking at them. And I've, I've, You're got, looking uh, at I've got little post-it notes all the way through my pages because I've been watching the birds that fly into my garden, which I've always just sort of looked at and gone, oh, yeah, there's a garden bird. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's that variety. And, and then the, the but, watched has become the watcher. The watched has become the watcher. And this this mm. now it's a, a cat creepy. and mouse tale but you know <laughs> transpose humans and birds. Um, but you know now I know that that funny little bird that it was in my garden is a silver eye, which is not oh. rare at all. It's actually according to this book it's one of the, a very common garden bird. So <laughs> okay. nothing nothing that I've seen so far has been Very's a rare. super rare animal. How do you look them up? How do you look them up though? Like ah, is there so, a way if you see it I did see a bird in backyard what do you do what do you do yeah. so there's there this is the way this book is arranged and it's um it, and it, it's it's quite complex it's sort of written for a mix of amateur and professional and i don't know if they kind of really know who they want to be covering they're sort of trying to cover everybody so there's kind of a few different ways you can use this as a reference guide in the front there's um sort of a page of about a hundred um sort of common bird shapes and so you can use that as sort of your initial reference guide and go it kind of looks it doesn't look like an emu it looks like that little one with the big beak and a little tail okay so i'll flip to page 400 and whatever Um, and then there's you can sort of flip through that general you know sort of bird shape and there's these incredible illustrations that took uh 10 years to create so there's three artists three authors who created this book they went through tens of thousands of photos, um, multiple photos for each bird so they get all the different angles. So when they did their illustration, it was going to be the, the one that was the best representation of that bird, which is a really interesting thing with bird guides. They, rather than use photos, which would make sense, you'd think, if I want to look at a bird, I'm going to look at you know the, the photo. photo. But that actually makes it really hard to distinguish because it's all about lighting and the position of that the bird's in and the shape that it's taking, whereas they can do an illustration that's sort of figurative but gives you all of the key characteristics and so they've done these incredible illustrations. They've got uh, the, each sort of reference um, for each uh, entry for each bird um, sort of broken into uh, the voice, its general appearance and size and shape, um, its uh, uh, notes about where it might live and its behaviour um, and also how likely you are to see it in the right conditions the, in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they include every single bird that has been sighted in the past 10 years in Australia, which includes ones that have just might have been blown off course, so they're not surprised to be here um, and Australia meaning the Australian Territory so you've got um, not just sort of the mainland including Antarctica <coughs> Macquarie Island Macquarie Island uh, the Coral Sea Norfolk Island Cocos Keeling Island Christmas Island and all, and so there's there's birds in there that aren't supposed to be there but they've been spotted by somebody uh, which is kind of cool so you get you know a, f- a few weird exotic ones have you seen any rare ones yet have, have you seen one and then flipped and gone whoa i've seen ones that i think that can't be a common bird that is weird as uh, like this one <laughs> this duck uh which is called wait a minute, uh the the pink eared duck and it's got this amazing weird bill oh, these sort of long flappy bits and um it's stripy like a zebra and oh. uh, and i saw that down at williamstown i'm like oh that 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 
that's a bird that's flown off course. Um, but no, it's like fairly common. Um, right. <laughs> and it's, it's, be, it's, it's floating this, from Antarctica? No. Yeah, no. This is like having a discussion no, with birds. That's where it's supposed to hang out. A crap, a crap version of birds. <laughs> <laughs> I am the crap version of birds. You are. Yeah. That's so good. So, but this is, well, this is what I figured. I'd be doing the layperson's sort of analysis of this. Oh, my God, of the crap version of birds. <laughs> Can we not make that my bio? Yes. That's it, officially. <laughs> really? Does it, so does it actually work? Like when you see something out of well, yeah, It works as a book. <laughs> yeah. been, you can see I've got, I've got post-it notes all the way through because I've been, I've been getting into sort of identifying. Because I Have love, you got binoculars yet? I do. I've got, yeah. No, but I've had, I had those previously because I, I like looking at things yeah, sure. uh, and birds, but I like the idea that I can now, like something that was I just sort of took for granted, you actually look yeah. at it and it becomes this fascinating thing with these super intricate details. Totally with yeah. you on this. Mm. Once you start looking... Like you just want to look more and more. Yeah. Since I've got my my camera with my aggressive zoom lens on it, I can zoom right in on the birds. That's kind of creepy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now the tables have turned. <laughs> zoom right in on the birds. Have a have a good look at the birds, and also the Taronga Zoo. If you ever go there, go to the bird show. It's one of the greatest things you'll ever see in your life. The bird show. Yeah, the Taronga Zoo. It's Is, amazing. No, I'll second that. I've seen that. As You've seen it as well. Yeah. So yeah. Where, do, do they... they fly down on you and. Oh, did you listen to the mate, stories I told earlier? Yeah. I no, no, no. This is great. It's this is nice. Choreographed <laughs> birds. What more do you want? They go, all you need to do is look up and then you look up and then a flock of birds just fly over. It's the best. I, like, I, might, take, I might take my son. He loves watching the pigeons. You know when you watch the pigeons doing the circles where mm. they're, they're flying in their flock? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ask Sean next time he comes in if I got that right. All right, just before we go, like, Sean did recommend this book as a, as, as a good intro. So would you agree Absol- with that? Absolutely. Look, there's a ton of information here that I do not understand and I'm probably not going to read. The introduction has got a great um, sort of piece on how to bird, <laughs> how to be a birder and, you know, like how to watch birds, how to approach them, how to not interrupt them and sort of mess with their, you know, general day-to-day lives. Um, it's got some really good information about sort of climactic, you know, factors and influences on bird numbers and that sort of stuff. Um, but it's also... It's a reference book, so it's just a, a really awesome, useful tool to have in the house. You wouldn't take it hiking. It's like it's, it's got a bit of weight it's to it. Ma- yeah, it's five hundred and sixty. Pa- if it was a bird, it'd be a cassowary. Like it's big and heavy. <laughs> um, so, but it's it, if you have long camping trips or just for the backyard, it's great. But that means you're probably not going to um, see. A cassowary, unless you live in far north Queensland. True. We've been talking to Lachlan Carter. The book is the CSRO Australian Bird Guide. Thanks, Lachlan. No worries. Thanks, folks. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 RRR in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. Uh, a few things that you can hear in, in your life, something, a few statements that um, just makes your heart drop mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, something like, can I have a word? Oh, oh yes. Can I have yes. a word? And I know that never ends well, does no. it? It can go either way. Do you know who says it is Dave has said it to us, our Oh, my God. Yeah, he goes, oh, just pop into the office and I'll just have a quick word. But it's always been good every time. <laughs> yeah. I still have this, oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? It is something that teachers and, you know, bosses and stuff oh, say, yeah. though, isn't it? Parents. You would, I would not walk up to you in the kitchen here and go, Jez, can I have a word? Like, that would be weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's like 
it's the sort of thing you say when you know you're going to have to say something really horrible. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to soften it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, can I have a yeah, word? I, I've said it to to parents. Have you about yeah? And is it always a bit of a yeah? Got to say something. Just, that have kids a, did? just have a little bit of a chat about your child today. A little bit of a chat. Yeah. I just have a little word before you go. Usually, it's because the you know the kids been naughty and I've threatened to talk to their parents. Ah, uh, okay. So I'm going to – I have to have a chat with your with your parents when you get picked up and then oh. – so I don't I don't back down on my, on my threats. <laughs> I can talk to I parents. get stressed when someone says to me, hey, what are you doing on Saturday night? And I go, oh, really? oh yeah, because – well, it depends who it is, but if maybe someone I don't know very well, hey, what are you doing on Saturday oh, night? Right. Because you're thinking – are you going to invite me? Planned yet? Are you going to invite me somewhere awesome? Am I going to get into something? Have I said I'd do something? It makes me panic, and I never know what to say. What are you? Oh, you just Not go, just general friends, but like you know, when I there's know a certain person yeah, that come yeah, up yeah. and go, "Hey, what are you doing?" Something yeah. think, "Whoa!" Yeah. I feel like you say, maybe I do. Yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. I don't. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm meant to be having a dinner. Tell, I don't know. Tell me more, and then I'll say if I'm busy. <laughs> exactly. Or not. Why? Why do you ask? You yeah. got to kind of throw it back at them. Well, that's the question good. back. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just yeah. Here's a, a <laughs> another. I've started writing a bit of a list of things oh, that yes. I don't like to statements that I don't normally like to hear. Um, things like I think we need to have a house meeting. Oh, oh worse. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Nothing that? ever good comes out of that. Never yeah. in your share house days. Uh, let's have a uh, let's have a little house meeting, or um, let's have a house meeting. Oh, they usually come via email as well. You know, passive-aggressive emails. I think we need to have a... Or a note left on the table. (laughs) Yeah. What about this one? What's that on your toothbrush? Don't want to hear that ever. No. Gross. Where did that huntsman go? (laughs) (laughs) That could be fun, though. I I like the sound of that one. Fine huntsman. (laughs) And I've just got just one more. What's the date today? Oh, crap. Stop drinking that milk. Oh, you got any, Jeff? Yes, uh, maybe some audience participation involved. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, worst. That's why you don't like sitting in the front row of it. Yeah. Or um, what's the worst audience participation you've ever had to do? Oh, I don't know because I was lucky that I don't go. So no. Um, Have you ever had to participate? No. So what could it be scared of? <laughs> No, no I've, I've never. Audience participation could be clapping along to a song, mate. Yeah, I don't like that. Do you clap when everyone's going singing? You know, you know that awkward moment where someone, everyone decides to clap for a reason and during a song, and then you have to work, try and work out collectively when to stop clapping. Oh uh, yeah, that really stresses me yeah, out. Do you know I just, what I like to? Do? I like to be the start clapper. I love really? starting the clap. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, it does make you feel powerful, doesn't it? it sure does. It's like when we went to see that magician. Remember? Oh, uh, don't. We, yeah, we, we we did get asked to get involved. Yeah, you got Geraldine told in that. told him that you and I were a couple, and we we're going to have to get oh, up yeah. and do some love, some love thing. Oh yeah, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, we, we nipped that one. That was yeah. a, that was a combination of all my fears at once. It was just that was horrifying. Yeah, yeah someone just messaged and said, "Do you do you know why I pulled you over?" Yes, I can understand why oh. that would be. Yes, it's never a good That's answer a good one. for that. I got that once and played ignorant. I said, no, because I turned down a street that you weren't allowed to turn down. You know, stupid, between 7.30 and 9.30 in the morning, you know, yeah. one of those uh, ones? Ah, yeah. And it was so annoying. And the, and the police person was sitting at the end of the street waiting and I was so smug. And she goes, do you know why I pulled you over? And I went, no, is everything okay? 
And she goes, you know what you did. And I was like, no. She said, you turn down the street and you're not allowed to. It's not a rat race. And and I was like, oh. I tried to get out of it playing ignorance, but it didn't work. Why do they, ask, why do they ask that anyway? Which, I mean, which I is know. the better answer? Like if you say, yes. oh, yeah, I knew what I was doing, but yeah. I did it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. That just annoyed me at the time too. And like not a rat race. How is driving down one street between 7.30 and 9.30 a bad thing, you know? Yeah. I you wanted know, to say to her, I'm not killing people. Yeah. But I did I, um... <laughs> I got pulled over once when I was on my motorbike. I told you this. And it was, um, I thought it because you had your registration papers on the back of the bike and it had fallen off like months before, like months before. And I thought I was being pulled over for not having a registered, you know, show that it was registered bike. Um, But then it turns out they they were like, oh, you don't have your P plate because I'm supposed to have P plates. Oh. You don't have your P plate on there. And I went, oh, yeah, it's, it's like because I said, oh, you're talking about the thing that's full. And they go, yeah, it looks like that's been fallen off for a long time and, and stuff. I was like, how do you know how long? And it fell off yesterday. I just haven't gotten around to replacing it. Mm. And they were like, no, well. And then they went and sat in their car for a bit and came out. And then he says, he goes, listen, I know you're off your P's tomorrow, but is there – You've got no other excuse for not... And I'm like, no, I just didn't get around to it. And then he gave me the fine anyway. I was one day off getting my... He gave you the fine anyway? Yeah. Because they were... They get commissioned. Do they get commissioned? Yeah, probably. probably. Just being a bit of an (laughs) arsehole. But in saying that, though, it was... I was supposed to have pee plates for, you know, two years or something and I I never... I never had pee plates. I never drove with my pee plates either. So I was just like, oh, I just got (laughs) caught at the last... That's all. That's like the being taught a minute. lesson by life. Yeah, you just can't get away with doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Another more statement. Oh, words no. that we hate. I am the. I've, I said this one before. I don't like getting an email that says, "How are you going with that article, Sarah?" Oh yeah. It's the oh, worst thing. And you know that. when you know it as well. Oh. Yeah. You're going. Today was the day that this was due, and it's midday now. This is about the point where the editor goes. I'm going to email Sarah and see where that article is. It's the same, same thing, though, isn't it? When they ask, you know, um, how are you going, they know mm. how you're going. You're yeah. going badly. Do you know what yeah. else? <laughs> what, do you know the other one that I don't like? How far away are you? Oh. When you're at home and you don't know what they're talking about. You don't know who the person is. <laughs> oh, what, what have I done? Where am I meant to be? <laughs> Three, triple... Oh. You're listening to Breakfast is here on Triple R with Sarah Jeff and Geraldine. Um, you know how we uh, talked about you know crappy people you can end up sitting next to on planes and and whatnot. Like yes. you know, there's the classic. You don't want to don't want to be sitting next to the crying child. No, no, etc. So I picked Celia up from the airport last night. Um, she was um, had arrived back from London, and uh, there's a there's a new player in the world's worst people to sit next to oh. on a plane. Who is it? Uh, is it, it is... Jeff eating cake in the studio? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a group. So good. It's a, a group of um, thirty year old women on a thirtieth, um, but not a hen's party, but a thirtieth birthday party, all from Essex, going from London to Dubai for a girls' weekend away. Oh my god, girls gone wild! Yeah, and it's she said. So she was stuck in between. So there was you know a whole group of them, uh, and you know. Them standing up, leaning over the backs of chairs, talking. No. Like the ringleader going, 
Well, Every leader. Yeah. <laughs> just going, leader of the conference. Yeah, just, you know, going, um, what was she saying? Like, uh, yeah, I'm not on a long-haul flight. I'm not bothered. I don't, everyone hates us. Everyone hates us. I don't care. I'm not bothered. And just that. For, oh, man. Like the air, um, like cabin crew, were, you know, coming up and saying, ladies, maybe if you wanted to have a drink, you know, you could go and stand up the back. Yeah, everyone's pissed off, is it? We know. We know. Give us a Prosecco. <laughs> got any Prosecco? <laughs> I, I don't want to stereotype people. No. But um, there's something about drunk English people. Yeah, well, there's something about drunk every people. Yeah, I, I think guess anyone so. But you in know what I mean? Like, um, I, I live quite close to various backpackers' place, and there's a certain drunk English backpacker that does exactly that. Yeah, the, yeah. they do have a reputation, don't they? Yeah. I feel I do. Yeah, they 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 have a bit of a reputation. And I do like to think that there is a Jeff Sparrow in England on radio in the morning, <laughs> going, you know, what I don't like. <laughs> Australian backpackers. Well, that's true. Australian <laughs> yeah. backpackers. There's just too. something about them. They get they have a few beers in them, and then they go off. All I'm saying is, I know. I I feel like I know exactly what those people would have been like. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I I understand that feeling though, and but that's hard because there's nothing you can do if they don't care. You can complain to an air host about someone that's sitting next oh. to you doing something that's a little bit not quite right. But if they don't yeah. care, if the passenger doesn't care, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And she, no. so, you know, she was like, oh, you know, because they said, do you want to, um, you know, move? Um, like, and I think she, they, she had actually had an opportunity to, like, there was nowhere for her to move. And also, she didn't want to draw any attention to herself. Oh, like, yeah, didn't right. focus on her. Yeah, didn't want to be like the the sour faced. Oh yeah, go sit somewhere else. Off you go, love. Off you go. Didn't want didn't want to have that. And she said most of the time it was fine because they were you know up the back, you know drinking their prosecco anyway. How long was the flight from London to Dubai? So it's eight hours. Yeah, eight yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. It's long enough. I, I also feel it. It becomes worse too because you're on a plane. Like, not only can you not... There's nowhere to go. Not only can you not go, but you kind of think, I don't want a lot of drunk, dangerous people careering up and down the plane. Yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I've been I've been feeling dangerous as such. It does remind me of that bridesmaid scene, though, where she oh, yeah, yeah. takes too many uh, tablets. But yeah. I, I don't think the worst person for me... I've been next to a lot of people that are just a bit obnoxious and stuff. I once sat next to a guy who had a scab on his leg that he scratched really close to me, right? And, like, it was flaky. No, no. It was flaky. I, like, I feel me? like that's just designed just to annoy okay, me. Okay, I know, right? And I, I was like, I'm going to – I actually didn't know how to deal with it. And, and it was flaking. And it was – then it started bleeding. And then he kept doing it and kind of rubbing the – Oh, mate. I know. Oh, stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, could you imagine me sitting next to this person? Oh, how are you? I nearly, then, I nearly had a panic attack and at one point I thought, how do I have... I, was, I spent half an hour trying to work out how to have this conversation with the air hostess. How do I say there's a man with a scabby leg who's scratching it and then rubbing his hands on his leg but it's flaking off in my direction? Oh, oh, <laughs> stop it. Yeah, and he's probably like dying of some... <laughs> I knew he was. <laughs> you, you, it, was hor- so, it was so horrifying. Do you almost feel like that there was a team of people coordinating? How, yeah, can, I thought how was, can we annoy Sarah Smith? I, there was film? a moment where I thought, there's cameras, like my friends have set me up because they know that I couldn't handle the situation. And there's <sighs> a, he's got a little microphone and the, the, the controller's going to say, now start eating some food noisily. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got three He got three Roman Cokes in a row as well and drank them like... <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to... Uh, 
<laughs> I salute oh you, skin flaking man. Well done. Oh my goodness, there was um, I heard someone um was on a, a flight and it was the, the middle seat was unoccupied, right? So this guy was in the aisle seat. There's um a, a young woman that was sitting in the um in the window seat. Yes. Plane takes off, doors shut, no one in the middle seat, and it's like, oh, we can spread out a little bit, put our don't have to share an armrest, isn't that nice? But the woman, she went, no, 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 I'm just going <laughs> to make myself a little bed. <laughs> so she moved over into the middle seat, oh, God. put a pillow down, lay down, made herself a little, and then for the next four hours just farted the whole no. way. No! Yeah. Just, <laughs> just farted. Do you think she realised? <laughs> well, who knows? This why you should never sleep on a plane, ever. Well, no. I do, but like you just want to do it. Put a coat over your head. Sometimes yeah, I yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was on a long trip to America, and I was sitting next to a guy who was a very big, burly man. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, very broad shoulders and a short haircut. And he started asking me about what I was doing, and I said I was going over to, I was researching this book about war, and it turned out he was in the military. Oh, and no. And not only was he the military, but all the people around us were all various American military. Wow. Did they all have lots to tell you? Oh, my God. Let me tell you, he was not shy about expressing them. <laughs> and because they're all such huge guys, he said, yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes, very true. Oh. I hadn't thought about that. I, I, I hadn't seen it your way. <laughs> Did you just want to just close your eyes? <laughs> Just like close your eyes and put the seat back. I just wanted to start scratching my scabs. (laughs) You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from Three Triple R.